Another week, another podcast here, another fishing podcast. I'm with Spencer Bauer today, River Certified. This guy's got an awesome guiding operation and also a hell of a social media following going right now. Super impressed with this guy. We're going to have a great conversation talking catfish, multi-species. This guy does it all. Let's get into it. This isn't another fishing podcast. This is another fishing podcast. Spencer, dude. Um, so first and foremost, uh, we when, when I first started getting into this social media thing with my buddy Pete, um, you followed us, we followed you, and um, I, I, I'm an idiot, right? Like when I, I had no idea how this social media thing was going to blow up. I knew I was excited about it. You know, Facebook was offering video. YouTube was just on fire. But um, Pete and I really started doing, you know, our videos and our podcasting before we even really understood the power of social media and YouTube. And and really, we're a bunch of old guys that, that were just kind of fumbling around, not knowing exactly what to do, knowing we wanted to do videos and just put our stuff out there, but not knowing how to do it. And, and still this day, we're still fumbling, but I remember like those early, kind of those early days, you started following us and I was seeing what you're doing. You're, you're based down in Iowa, right? Yep. Yeah. So you're, you're running uh, a guiding operation. See, I'm doing a different kind of, uh, if you're watching the, the video podcast, I need to switch from my camera to Spencer's camera. So I got to remember to do that. Now I'm switching dispenser's camera but what's that you're drinking while you're doing and i'm drinking so it makes it even more difficult so um but i just remember you know you doing your thing in iowa doing a lot of catfishing and now it's just like i worst i'm such an idiot um pete's a musician he's also a fisherman obviously but he's doing he's he's you know got a band and he's doing a lot of touring now and I'm finally, I feel like getting a handle on, on the social media, finally. And all these guys that were following us, you know, kind of in the beginning are blowing up. Your, t- your YouTube channel is like blown up. You're over 100,000 subscribers. I want to like get into that and just tell me your own kind of, um, your own kind of experience being a passionate fisherman and then delving into social media, YouTube, and kind of how, you know, what, what your experience has been with all that. My biggest thing is I just make it fun. And that's, I've never had an agenda or any like real direction I've wanted to go. I just try to make things better. I I, I enjoy getting better at stuff. And um, so I just made things, making the videos fun. I, uh, made the social media fun and uh then just try to get a little bit better at it all the time and i uh, aside from that i don't put a whole lot of thought into it i mean there's strategy that i've learned as i've done it more and more and i i kind of think of it a lot like fishing because i mean i keep track of bites based on a variety of different conditions and i try to track my videos and the things that do well based on this that and the other thing i try to replicate and then um, the other stuff, like if it doesn't do well, I, I try not to do it again or try to re present it, I guess, because 
all the videos I do is like stuff I've always done and really enjoyed doing. And I just document it. So I don't know. It's pretty simple. How did you actually get, um, you know, started into fishing? It, it's, it's kind of a, I mean, I ask this question every single time and maybe it's getting redundant, but, uh, well, everyone's doing a different story. So the same question, different story and then different highlights or interesting factors based on the individual answer in it. So the question might be repeated, but the answer is unique for most people, at least, you know, the details would be varied. Yeah. So how'd you get started? Well, my dad, my dad took me fishing. He was, he wasn't a big fisherman, but he was like presented me with opportunities to try a bunch of different stuff. And, uh, one funny thing is when I was a little kid, I was actually scared of fish. There's a picture of my dad holding me in one arm and a bluegill in the other, and I'm just bawling my eyes out. And But as far as when the actual transition from that happened to me really, really liking fishing, I'm not sure. My grandpa, he he, uh, he had, uh, I think, two strokes and like three heart attacks before he ended up oh, wow. uh, yeah, uh, passing away. But uh, after his first stroke, he walked a bunch all over town and he'd pick up beer cans and cigarette packs off the side of the road and then save them. And I had like a marble, marble sleeping bag that he got from sending in all these cigarette packs. But, <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. I had buddies that would like, they, they would, what was that called? Marlboro Bucks or something. I remember that in like the yeah. early 90s or something. They would get duffel bags. All my buddies were like smoking so much so that they, they could get these like, uh, you know, like Marlboro, like gifts or whatever. That, that kind of remind. That's kind of remember that stuff. Yeah, and uh, well, the 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 spinoff of that is, I would go hang out with my grandpa, and we'd go on walks. And he knew I liked fishing, so we'd walk to a farm pond, and um, then catch. There's this farm pond that he had permission to go, and had all these dinky little bass and. I'd spend the afternoon catching these dinky little bass and he'd sit under this uh, tree that had a tire around it. So he'd sit on the tire, lean against the tree in the shade and eat an apple and I'd show a fish and he'd cheer me on. And uh, that was kind of one of my favorite summertime activities for the, the time that he, he lived close to us. And that, I mean, that just kind of stoked the fire. Like, I think the fire was there, but then all these little things just kept adding onto it. And I just had lots of opportunities to get outside and go. And I grew up in a, a cool little town that had a little creek close by. And that was reading in fishermen and stuff, getting deep into it. Catfishing was always something that struck me because they, they got big and they fought harder than anything else in the farm pond. And you catch a few in the farm pond, but to be able to go fish the, the creek when I got old enough to do that, that was kind of like the gloves came off and I went really hard and fished all up and down that Creek everywhere. So it was your, it was your grandpa who, who really was most responsible for, for getting you into fishing. I don't, I don't think I'd categorize one or the other, but uh, my grandpa and my dad, for sure. Both of them. That's just the grandpa memory is just the one I smile at looking back at, you know, for sure. Yeah. I, I had a lot of, um, my, my grandpa, you know, he didn't, he didn't fish, but he would just take, he would take Pete, Pete and I he'd drive us all around. And, and he, one time, remember he was like sleeping, it was like super hot and he was like sleeping under his car. 
because there wasn't any other shade around. <laughs> and as well, while we were like, you know, while we were fishing. Um, so, yeah, like I have a lot of great memories uh, of my grandpa taking me fishing growing up. And, and you said in Fisherman, um, in Fisherman was like a huge, huge oh, uh, man, impact man. on me. Uh, growing up reading Doug Stangy stories with him and Otis and Zach or, or Otis Toad Smith and Zach or like that stuck with me and stuck and a lot of the streams I fish are real comparable to the ones that they fish because like I'm in central Iowa they were in northwest Iowa southern Minnesota and uh, I mean there's just a lot of crossover to all the information they passed along and, and how I fish like the riffle hole run theory that's that's I mean, I first learned it from reading Doug Stangy articles, and that that was just like a light bulb moment. Holy crap! And then I just applied it, and then tried to build upon it ever since then. But yeah, I'm a big in fisherman nerd. So explain that uh, to people that don't know. Explain that riffle hole run theory, because um, I think if you if you learn that, if you understand that, you're going to be such a, a better river fisherman. And by the way. Uh, your guiding business is called River Certified, correct? And your social media? Yep, everything's River Certified because I'm not very smart. So if I keep it all named the same thing, I don't have to worry about going one direction or the other with everything. But as no. far as the riffle hole thing goes, it's 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 hydrology and geology. Like you have, as water flows over different substrates in a riverbed, it'll flow over a piece uh, where the bottom is mostly rock and it'll have a harder time eroding away at that. So the water will be shallower, faster, and then it shoots through those riffles and then scours a hole out downstream. And eventually that water reduces in speed. And then you have a run where it's pretty much uniform depth until you hit your next riffle. That's one concept. And it expands beyond that. Cause like you have a bend in the river and then the current hits that outside bend and also scours out a hole. The holes are where catfish live um in structures where catfish live because i mean it's hydrology anytime you have water coming across an obstruction or changing rate of flow it's going to um, scour like if it increases or decreases it's going to change the depth of the water around it and catfish relate to all that i didn't know we were going to get this sciency on this (laughs) well no i mean it's you know i want to so i i i've been in the industry the fishing industry as a videographer since 2000 right so i mean i've shot so many tips i've done a lot of different um you know different kinds of shoots different species and i've gotten i i I sort of got burnt out by um doing so many tips right i was like gosh don't people know this by now but what what i failed to there's new people coming up every time that don't know these things you know you only know what you know, too. You know, <laughs> you know, uh, there's some things that seem so obvious to you or me or we don't know and then would seem obvious to somebody else. Like and it's all based on your background and, and your personal experiences. So like growing up on small streams. Yeah, I feel comfortable there. But then I go fish the Mississippi, Missouri um, or the Ohio or Tennessee or any of those giant bodies of water. And they're freaking intimidating. And if you grew up on them, sure, like you have all this background knowledge and understanding of how fish do this, that, or the other thing, but then you go to a small stream and you're like, huh. Although I would argue it's easier to break down a small stream than it is a big river, but the concept, you know, you only know what you know, and that's based on what you, you grew up doing. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I, 
I try to, I, I, I've got to like step out of myself and go, listen, dumbass. Like, like there's a lot of, especially now, there's a lot of new anglers coming in, uh, into you know, new people coming into fishing. And also just the fact that fishing is so varied. There's so many different species you can go after. So, you know, this podcast and just our angling uploaded bigger social media uh, account, whatever the hell you want to call them, platforms, um, you know, it's it's more of a broader kind of multi-species idea that, that we're doing here. So it can be like, you know, there's all kinds of species to go after, freshwater species, and I'm all about going after, um, you know, rough fish too. I, I think even the term is ridiculous. I, I got into fishing and you're probably well, Isn't that bad though? Like, I think a rough is kind of an endearing term. If somebody calls me rough around the edges, I'm like, yeah, but maybe that's bad, maybe that's good, but I kind of like it. Yeah, it's good. I, I agree. I, you know, I, I, I use the term rough fish. Some people might like find it derogatory, tough, but know? what's that? Like rough and tough, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I kind of like, th- I, I like to think of myself as, as kind of tough, you know? Yeah, you look Probably. tough. You have, you know, I can see you as being tough. You know, our, we've had some interaction. I'm like, this guy's like no nonsense, you know, no bullshit. Let's get right to it. Well, I was kind of, we were having some problems <laughs> with the link to the, start this podcast. And you're like, are we going to do this or what, man? And I'm like. I like this. Man. This guy's straightforward. Let's do this podcast. Let's go. What do you think my time is? You know? on, on my end, too, because like I, I sent you the email, and then you obviously sent it to that email, and then I remembered, oh, yeah, I never checked that one. Yeah. So I should probably look at it. Then I looked at it, and I didn't see the link, but I'm sure it's just buried in the 10,000 emails that are in there because I never checked that account. No worries. No worries at all. So, you know, on that kind of rough fish, um, you know, topic – uh, did you, when you're scouring through the pages of In Fisherman, which in, in when we, I'm sure we're a little bit different age, you look younger than, than I am. Uh, I got, you know, I got quite a bit. I'm looking at your beard and then I'm looking at my beard. There's quite, man, I don't know what's going. I'm starting to look like a thundercat now. I've got like this gray right here, gray right here. It's like perfectly symmetrical. Only gray here, only gray here. I realize if you're only listening to the audio podcast, you can't see any of this. But and then I got like a gray patch right here. So that's telling me I'm quite a bit. Well, I'm older than you. Let's put it, it that way. Yeah, I, I would describe that. I mean, you're becoming a silver fox. Thank you. What, what's happening. Yeah. Thank you. So you, you just embrace it, and good things are going to happen. I, 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 I like that perspective. So when you did you find yourself, um, you know perusing through the pages of in fishermen or watching the the tv show did you love it when they would do shows or write articles on carp or catfish and was it annoying to you especially like early on or maybe just in general um was it annoying to you when they like you're like bass Mm, uh, you know like every show is bass it's like who cares about this i i actually felt this way early on i was like i want to i want to see articles um watch television shows that are featuring fish that are near me that I can can target, you know, which was at the time was was catfish and carp and, and that kind of thing. But bass are everywhere. Like probably one of the first fish I ever caught was a bass. I'm sure the first fish I ever caught was a bluegill, but it was probably shortly followed up by a bass. And then it was 
bass are bigger. They fight harder in a bluegill. <clears throat> Maybe not pound for pound. You have that argument, but they're just available. And like, I got the chance to go to ICAST one summer, which was a really cool experience. And then it puts into perspective how big bass fishing is. Like you have this whole pie of the fishing industry and like two thirds of it is bass. And then everything else is crammed into that other third. And you realize how enormous that culture is, but it makes sense. You have a fish that gets a little bit bigger, fights a little bit harder, but they're available for everybody everywhere. I totally get it. And then if you're a media company that's trying to showcase multi-species fishing, you kind of have to showcase it based around the percentage of your audience that enjoys these certain things. If you want to keep your ratings the way they are, like I totally get it. So, but the way I looked at it, when there was a catfishing show, it was kind of like a treat. And I would watch in fishermen regularly because they hit all those multi-species. And I enjoyed the other stuff like muskies or sweet. Um, not that I really fish for them, but, uh, to see them get caught and to see other people fishing for them. I thought that was pretty cool. And then uh, walleyes, I love walleye fishing, so I'd see that on TV. I thought that was neat. And then I guess that's what pulled me to in fishermen was the multi-species side of things. And then uh, Bill Dance, he would fish for catfish every once in a while. Sometimes it was like farm ponds. And then as time went on, he did more big water stuff, which was really intriguing. And a few other shows would do catfishing every once in a while. But I thought of it as a treat, honestly. Yeah, no, I, I, I get you. Um, so is that who you were – you know, was in fisherman who was, you know, in fisherman too is kind of a northern, more of a I don't know. I mean, they're they they're, traveled uh, everywhere. Yeah, they're I mean, they traveled in. everywhere. But I, I think as a Minnesotan, I was especially like just proud of you know in in fisherman. Yeah. So I mean, I was like, I was addicted to everything that they were doing. You know, um, but did you did you kind of like so? You, when you were growing up, or as you got into maybe like your your teens, like so, how old were you when you first started fishing? You think like how? I mean, I, I was pretty young. I don't know. Whenever my dad took me, when I was probably four, five, six, seven, somewhere in that range, and we would go camping. Like we would go to campgrounds at some lakes down in my area, and everybody'd go boating, and I'd just stay at the dock and fish. Yeah, <laughs> on the fish cleaning dock that said no fishing. That's, right that's where you can me because that's where the catfish would be. That's a be great tip. That's a that's a great that's a pro tip of the week right there. It just uh, I figure if a ten year old can process that, most most people can. <laughs> Let's hope so. Anyway, right. so then then you got into your you know your teens. What were you? You know, when I was in my teens, I was like, I want to. So what happened for me? So I, I was all uh, keyed up in fishermen, really, really stoked the fires, you know. Um, and then and then I, I saw in a like a bait shop, I saw a flyer for Bassmasters. I'm like, what the hell is this? There's such a thing as competitive fishing, you know. And and then I just boom, blew up. And then I wanted to be a professional bass fisherman. What were Did you tournaments? What's that? Did you fish a bunch of tournaments? I, I did growing up. Yeah. Yeah. I was yeah. I was eating up with it. I fished the I fished like the I, I used to live in Pennsylvania. I fished the Pennsylvania State Federation. I qualified for the, the state whatever the hell it was called, the championship or whatever. And and you know, I did I did, you know, I won our I was in a bass club. I won our bass club one year and 
nice. things like that. And I and really, I went to college. I wanted to, you know, college was my fault. Like what I was studying in college, which was communications, broadcasting, that was my fallback plan. That was my plan B. I actually wanted to pursue, um, you know, a professional fishing career, a, a, a bass fishing career. And, um, and I mean, it, it, I, I graduated college, went to Bass Pro Shops, got a job there with the idea I'd be there for a little bit, learn, you know, get good hands-on, you know, learning experience there, and then use my contacts there and go and, you know, jump into the world of professional bass fishing. What happened to me is a combination of a uh, seeing the realities of that, what it's like, you know, actually Dude, like true. being a professional bass fisher. What's that? Ever. It's like the roughest career ever. People don't, you know, and I love it. Like, I really love the sport. I, you know, I film for me. Uh, one of my, I'm a freelance videographer. And one of my, my main uh, clients is Major League Fishing. I, I love it. I love the sport. And I, I want uh, what's best for the sport. I, I'm, you know, I really care about it. Um, but it's, you know, in my line of work is a is a, a you know videographer i've you know i'm an editor um I, what we do is we make a somewhat uh glossy interpretation of reality not somewhat our my job is to make a glossy perfect any anything i do professionally is to make a very you know um it's a glossy Make representation of real life. And so right. it's, you know, but when you see the realities of what that life really is, um, and it also, I mean, there, there was also a, <laughs> this is kind of funny, but there was a relationship that I was in. I did really well in a, a BFL tournament on Bull Shoals. I used to live down in um, Springfield, Missouri. And I nearly won a BFL tournament and I was all stoked and jacked up, you know, and, and the girlfriend that I was with at the time, she was like, Oh my God, this guy's way too into this and he's not going to have enough time for me. And, and I'm, I'm really simplifying this, but that's that it was the end of our relationship because of that. And I, all those things, seeing the reality and, and knowing this is kind of sappy, I guess, but, that was kind of the first time I had ever, you know, been in love. And, and ju just, I, I know, right. It's, I, I didn't know that we were going to go, go here. Um, but. This makes it better. Keep going. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. You just, this, you got to gush, man. You just gotta, you gotta just uh, share it all. Um, but I realized two things. I realized that, um, that it, it, it's it's making a living fishing, particularly if you're, you want to be a competitive bass fisherman or any kind of competitive fisherman. Uh, there is a ton of travel. There's a ton of time away from home. Um, and there, just me as a, as a videographer covering professional bass fishing, I'm away from home a lot. 50% of the time, I'm, I'm gone. That's and what so, I was going to ask. Yeah, and you so, have the side of it without all of the prestige, I guess. Right. It, yeah, I'm the I'm the and and I'm the guy that's in the back of the boat that's making these guys look good. You know, obviously yeah, you're, these you're, guys you're, do their their damn good. I also would would argue that the camera guys are, you know, do a lot of that. 
um, and the editors and everybody are, you know, it's part of the business, you, right? You so, better, you don't get a job. That's exactly right. And so I just, I, I just saw, I, you know, I saw the reality of the business and I, I thought to myself, you know, um, I would like to, you know, I would, I, I don't, I wasn't as enamored with the sport after I was immersed into it. Um, as far as that, you know, the travel and that aspect of it, being away from home so much, but also the fact that it's incredibly taxing on a relationship or a family. And I, I put more, um, I just started to put more emphasis on, you know, that of what I really kind of thought, um, I, I matured in a way that I, I, I learned what I wanted in life. You know, I was a young, mm -hmm. God, I was in my I, mid 20s or so. I mean, I didn't know jack shit. I mean, seriously. I mean, I think about it. I'm 46 now. I mean, I there was a lot of learning and maturing to do, and that's what happened. But I'm I'm very happy with how things work. But I don't know how, like, what the hell? What were we talking about here? So back to you, Spencer. Tournaments. Uh, we were talking Tur about tournaments. Tournaments. Yeah. So um, that's kind of what, you know, you know, for me, I, I was I was jacked up about tournaments. Um, you know, growing up. And so that's kind of where uh, where I wanted to go with my life. What were you kind of thinking? Because obviously you're you're a passionate fisherman. You've been a passionate fisherman for a long time. What happened with you like around that, you know, teens? I, I remember I put a lot of pressure on myself going, oh, I got to do this. I got to try to figure out a way to fish for a living. What were you what were you thinking at that time? Did you want to pursue a career in fishing? Uh, I thought the idea sounded cool. I just didn't think it was possible like girl i grew up in a little town about a thousand people and there was people who worked at a 3m plant there's people who made like built windows at pella uh pella windows there was people who were teachers there was people who farmed there was uh, a few different professionals like a do few doctors um but always people who or a lot of these people would live in the town and then work in a different town. I don't know. There's, there's a name for those types of towns. I can't remember, but the idea of being a professional fisherman, I, I had this dream of always having my fishing, uh, my own fishing show, but like, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't have any resources and, um, information even then was a lot less readily available than it is now. And, uh, just the idea of trying to figure it out, didn't really resonate with me because I just didn't think it was possible. So I ended up uh, kind of, I had a really cool science teacher and I like science. So I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to be a science teacher. You know, and not to interrupt, be... but I knew you liked science because you used the term substrate. Yeah, <laughs> it's not even, it's, it's only two syllables. It seems like a complex word, but it's not too bad. Uh, or I guess hydrology. I'm kind of a hydrology nerd, like not super duper into, into it, but I know enough to be able to apply that to fishing and you get a better idea of what it looks like underwater, at least, especially in rivers, as far as reading the water, it all falls back on hydrology and the better you understand those concepts, you can apply them on the river. But, uh, as far as growing up, I just, I just like to fish. I played a bunch of sports. I, uh, did football wrestling, track baseball. So I was busy with that. I mowed yards and then mowing yards was sweet because I could make, I could, I mowed yards whenever I had time or I, I, I mowed yards when I, I wanted to do it. I didn't have like a set work schedule. So I could do all that stuff, fish and have a little bit of money on the side. But aside from that, I was just, 
I'm going to go to school. I'm going to be a teacher. I love fishing. I'll fish when I can. Got to college, fished a fair amount. Got big into uh, land-based shark fishing because we went down to Florida for spring break. And uh, I was like, oh, it's the ocean. I want to catch a shark. And I ended up catching one. Uh, It was about six and a half foot long, six and a half foot long sandbar. And as soon as that happened, I'm like, I need to do this again and again and again. And I, the internet had obviously gotten bigger and there was a, a lot of information and forums out there. And I dove into those and actually spent two summers living in South Texas for, for the sole purpose of catching sharks when I was in college. Wow. And then during the school year, yeah, I, I wrestled in college. So during the school year, I uh, wrestled fish when I could. During the summer, you, I was down in South Texas shark fishing and, and working out and then working at the local Red Lobster in Brownsville, Texas. Did they, uh, uh, at that time, did they have those amazing biscuits, those lobster biscuits? You know, the first two or 3,000 you eat are pretty good. And then after that, they kind of lose their lobster. Well, I, that's kind of with anything, right? I would, I would imagine, it's, like you eat two, three thousand of anything, it would. But, but boy, oh, you know, I've been in the, I haven't been in Red Lobster in a while, but man, I, the last time I was there, I had had those delicious lobster biscuits, and I mean, that's that's reason enough to go into a Red Lobster. If you haven't been into Red Lobster, just go in for their freaking biscuits, and they're free. They, it's, it's like tortilla chips; they give them to you free. You know, the, I've noticed. That that concept doesn't seem to apply to Bushlight because I continue to drink that, and the last one I had I enjoyed as much as the first one I ever had. I think that's wonderful. That's wonderful, and you you know there's the the problem with those Red Lobster biscuits. I mean, is that they don't make you feel funny in the head. You know, even I mean you can eat a ton of them. You that's know, true. They just make you really really fat, really really fast. Right. That's a great point. So you're you're in um, you're in okay. So you're in college, and uh, and you're like okay. Um, I'm, you're still you're you're finish, fishing as much as you can, um, and so what are you are you still? So what did you in college? What did you study? You may have already said that. I apologize. What were you studying in college? Did it have anything to do with with your love of fishing? Uh, kind of biology. Okay, yeah, biology and secondary education. Right on. Yeah. Okay. So then now, um, let's fast forward to where we are right now and what we know about you, Spencer, uh, because I've kind of known you on a, I'm, I'm getting to know you on a deeper level. I've known you on a super, uh, superficial social media level. Um, but how did you, so you have a guiding business, right? Are you, is that full time or are you, um, you know, do you have a real job or is, or is the guiding business full time now? Uh, I do a lot of things part-time. So I I was a teacher for nine years and then started doing the YouTube thing. And I'd always dreamed of kind of being a fishing guide. I remember there was an In Fisherman article and what was that guy's name? It was like Shipley or something. They talked about catfishing guides in the article. And that that was where it really clicked that maybe that's something I could possibly do to fish for a living. But then again, it was one of those things where it just seemed impossible and I enjoy teaching. I really do. So and what, what, are you, into, what are you teaching? I, I was teaching junior high science. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I guess backtrack. So I read this article when I was like 12. So I wanted my own fishing show. I thought being a guide would be cool. 
and then uh, get older. Don't think those are possible. Never met anyone that did those things. It felt like winning the lottery to be able to do that. I had no idea where to begin, so I didn't even think about it. Became a teacher after college, taught for a while, for ended up being nine years. But my uh, my wife got me a camera for a birthday present, and I'm like, well, I should use it. And then I used it, and then I'm like, well, what am I going to do with this footage? I'll, maybe I'll edit it. And then I found out I really liked video editing. It's fun. And uh, then started. And then I edited a video. Where am I going to put it? I threw it on YouTube. And then some people were watching it, and that was neat. And I just started doing that more and more and more. And I built a little bit of an audience. And um, then it got to the point where I'm like, I could leverage this audience. Like all these people enjoy watching the video to uh, build a clientele base for guiding. And then I was thinking, well, if I do the guiding thing and YouTube and all the other stuff I do, I'm probably not going to have time to teach. So I need to either, you know, it's like shit or get off the pot type deal. And about a year and a half ago, I said, you know what, I'm going to give it a try. And that's, so I've been a fishing guide slash YouTube guy slash podcast guy slash, which I'll, promote my podcast. It's yeah, the absolutely. I, I want yeah. you to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. If you guys want to check that out. And uh, then I, I do some writing, not a, not a ton, but a little bit. And then I help with social media for a tackle company. And I don't know, just a handful of little things that add up to a livable wage sure. currently. Currently. So I, first and foremost, I want to tell you, like, as a guy, you know, that kind of got into the industry um before social media and and youtube um and a guy that i so i've said this on podcasts previously but what my favorite show um you know like mainstream show was the real world like the first two seasons i was addicted to that show because there was nothing like it on tv it was like um so cringy man like so go ahead yeah it's to- totally cringy yeah, it's so scripted, and they make it sound like it's a real, real thing. But it's it's you watch half an episode, you're, it's obvious there's not these people don't exist. On yeah, this no, level. but but this was this was before really the advent of like like reality shows, and reality shows are bullshit. There's no doubt. But like the first two seasons of the Real World on MTV was like, oh my god, this hadn't been done before, and they're just like, it's really funny to think about it now because. Um, I know that it's a lot of that was scripted, but I liked the idea of things just being, you know, instead of the gloss, it was like just being real. I'm, I'm, um, and granted, you know, I can't, I've been trained to, uh, you know, professionally, right? So that's why I have the lights here. I got a backlight back here. I got a set and everything. I can't get that. It's like ingrained. It's been beaten into me. So I can't get out of that, right? Do you you think some of that influence comes from in fishermen? Totally. But yeah, like in fishermen, dude, like, I mean, in fishermen, their their articles, everything was just A+. Their articles, Doug Stangy is my favorite outdoor writer. Um, Think about it. All all the media that comes from Minnesota is so in fisherman-esque. Like there's a YouTube channel, Northwoods Angling, very in fisherman-like. And then uh, one of the dudes off of there, Luke Henches, when he makes his videos, he tries to like introduce his introductions are very in fisherman. And then in depth outdoors is from up up there. They're very in fisherman like. 
And there, and then you like the stuff you do, it's kind of bleeds off of how in fishermen started doing it. And it's just such a Minnesota thing. I find and, it entertaining. And, yeah. And, and what's interesting too, like I learned, I learned video production at Bass Pro Shops in the Va- Bass Pro Shops video department, the Bass Pro headquarters in Springfield, uh, uh, Missouri. And who I learned video production from, Steve Hargis was my boss. Um, and Steve, he learned outdoor production. He, he modeled uh, outdoor production from In Fisherman. So how they were doing their shows, their shows make, make it look like there's multiple cameras in the boat. And it's all one yeah. camera. Um, so really? You know, yeah. So uh, that was my style. And, and so I, do you have to stage a bunch of stuff when you do it like that? Uh, let's call them reenactments. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so what happens is in that style of production, um, you know, you're not, you can't always be recording. Right. So, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you would run out of battery. At that time, you know, we would ha- we had uh, beta SP tape. We had tape, not we, were, we weren't recording the cards, right? So you couldn't just be recording all the time. Beta tape was 30 minutes long. Like you would blast through, some, especially if it was a musky shoot, you're out there from, from dawn to dusk. So you can't. So you- how, how much does a beta tape cost? Like you burned through thirty minutes on that thing, and how much money? I mean, I can't even remember what a beta tape was. Maybe at that time, no one used beta anymore. Uh, But it was, you know, at that time it was probably I don't know, fifteen bucks a a tape, something like that. Maybe. I mean, I I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's high. Maybe that's high. Whatever. But it it was it was expensive because it was professional broadcast quality. Um, it, this wasn't super VHS. This wasn't VHS or super VHS or, I mean, beta SP was the standard and it was professional quality. It was these big professional cameras. And, and so, yeah, it was expensive. So what would happen is you would, you know, you would basically be recording, um, you know, if, if you're recording a tip, you know, obviously you're, you're sitting down with the angler and, and, you know, your first shot, and this is how, how I film. So let's say you're doing a tip, right? Um, I would film a wide shot of the tip, of the angler giving the tip. Just the tip? Just the, just the tip. <laughs> and, and, and once that tip was over, then we'd come in and we'd get the close-ups, Right. And this was, like, let's say he's talking about how to rig a soft bait onto a jig head or something like that, whatever. And so I would then come in to just fully, just solely focus on, like, his hands and the tightness, how he's rigging that bait, right? So a lot of times you'd rig up a whole different bait, and you would you would try to make it like it's live, like it was happening, like there was two cameras on the boat. So you'd try to make it look like... Uh, you know, like it was really like happening. Like there was two cameras, like it was just live happening, right? Well, it's only one camera. You shot the the wide, and then you're coming in afterwards, getting the close-ups. And so you're trying to you you do little tricks where you have the hands come into the shot, you know, it makes it easier. You, it kind of gives you an edit point that'll make it when you get into the editing room, it'll make it look like it's it's two cameras and it's you know it's all live you know um and so with a fish catch what would happen 
is, oh my God, let's say it's a muskie shoot, right? Shit hits the fan. All of a sudden, the guy's got a got a fish on. You know, you're swinging around. You get the cam. You start recording, and you're getting all the the, the fish catch, right? Um, mm-hmm. And and you get everything. You're you're capturing everything. You're you're you're. Um, you know, you're zooming into the fish in the water, zooming out, going up to the close-up. How mu- however much time you have in that fish fight, you can zoom in, get a close-up of the fight. If you've got a great big fish, it's wonderful. Like, let's say a sturgeon or something, you can get all kinds of cutaways. You can get close-up you know, close uh, of, the, of the person's face, the real close-up, the rod bending over. All of these things are super easy if you have a fish that takes a long time to get into the boat. Right, so you can edit in the editing room. You can edit all these things together. Makes a really captivating edit. If like a bass or something or a fish that comes in quicker, you've got to do reenactments. Okay, so what what that means is so you miss the the, the hook set. Right, so what you can do is you can um, you know the fish has already been caught and released and everything. You can go okay. Now we're going to do reenactments of that fish catch, and you you basically if there's two people on the boat uh let's say you know there's there's two guys on the boat you would focus on the other angler and you could just get that re- person's reaction of oh my god you're hooked up you know and, to, and so you have that beginning of the fish fight sequence cut to the angler hooked up and then get get right into it how how I would do it is I would just basically follow that second angler through the whole sequence of that fish catch, uh, you know that was happening. So I would be I'm be like, okay, we're gonna do a we're gonna do a fish catch uh, reenactment right now. I'm just gonna focus on you, the second angler, and what you're gonna do is you're going to react to the uh, you know the the guy up front catching a fish. And I'm just going to get you reacting. I'm going to get you grabbing the net. I'm going to get you then just focus solely on you, isolated on you. I'm going to get you netting, acting like you're netting the fish, right? So you give the editor all of these um, edit points to work with to make a really captivating uh, edit, you know, you can, like quick cuts and everything. Um, if you don't have a second angler to, to do that, then you can you can get a close up of the, the 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 angler that caught the fish. You can get a close up of his reel, and then pulling back and setting the hook, faking it. And whether that's ethical or whatever, that can be debated. Um, again, TV is mythical. Uh, you know, unicorns and and, and butterflies and rainbows. It's. I can't tell people this enough. Like when you watch television, and this is the beauty of the internet because I think it's more authentic. People are going to the internet more, YouTube especially, to get it's more genuine, it's authentic. But uh, how I was brought up in the industry, reenactments were just how you made television. And so that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's how production was done in the day. I'm, I'm glad. In many ways, YouTube annoys the hell out of me. But I, I think if we can get to a place where things are more real and people are being more honest, you know, I think that's a good thing. Sure. So that was a long rambling speech. Um, but that's 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 basically how how it was, you know, 
how video production was done with one camera. Yeah. So like you can you can like look back on a on a fishing show now and you know like an in fisherman and, and you'll see it. That's exactly how it's done. That's how I how I learned how to shoot. So um but so you so how did you make that transition? So you made that transition from um you know teaching to jumping into you know guiding and doing YouTube full time. Tell me, you know, tell me how like was that a that had to be a pretty just a stressful thing to do like how did you determine uh that now's the time let's let's give this a go um when i did it it wasn't supposed to be the time like uh but things started clicking on youtube and i was like there's an opportunity here potential there's potential and i was doing crunching a bunch of numbers and i went over the numbers I don't know, dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And that's not any exaggeration because like teaching other than the the teaching part, which I enjoyed the other nice part that I enjoyed was the consistent income. And then the benefits of teaching are pretty solid. They're not what they were, but no, they're, they're pretty good. And uh, if I were to go out on my own, all those benefits are gone and the consistent paychecks gone. So my, plan was to come up with as many forms of income, as many different income revenue streams as possible to basically solidify my whole, I guess, if you want to call it a business where, you know, if one thing's trending down, well, hopefully there's something else that's clicking and it just makes it much more stable or in theory it should. And then, uh, I talked it over with my wife a bajillion times and, um, she thought it sounded solid. And then I talked it over with uh, several other people and they're like, well, it sounds good. Go do it. And I just said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to give her a rip. And we're, that's where we're here or where we're at right now. I'm still giving it a rip. So did you, did you, um, did you basically, was it your YouTube channel? Um, I, I know you have, so basically you have a Facebook uh, page, you have an Instagram uh, account and you have YouTube, mm-hmm. right? Is that, am I forgetting any? TikTok. I have TikTok. TikTok. Yep. Yep. And so that's, and, and that's all, that's all river, uh, river certified is the name of your social media, right? Everything. Yeah. Everything's river certified. Okay. So did you, so was it your social media? Um, were you also guiding at the time as well. So were you guiding and doing social media or was it mostly social media that you're doing? And then you're like, okay, I, I, I always wanted to guide. I can just move that into guiding or was, or were you, what was that process like? I originally just did all the social media stuff. And as that grew up and I was able to generate an income off of that, like I thought I could make that work. Maybe, you know, there's so many unknowns with that, but the guiding became a means of being on the water full time. Because I was like, well, if I can book so many trips, even if this other stuff shits out, then I'll still be able to uh, make some, at least somewhat of a living on the water, which is at the end of the day, that's all I really wanted. Like, I don't have to. I don't have to be fishing all the time. I just like being out there. Oh, so, um, so yeah, the guiding kind of became a means to an end. 
and a convenient means to an end because it was something I always wanted to do. And that's been hopping pretty good, almost too good. I'm almost too busy. With the, with uh, the guiding? Yeah, and I kind of overextended myself a little bit on that. So uh, I don't know, just life's a whirlwind right now because this is the, the middle of the guiding season and and people are been lucky. You know, people have been getting hold of me pretty regularly, want me to take them out on trips. So, so tell yeah, tell me, tell me about your guiding operation. So, what what bodies of water uh, do you focus on, and what species are are you do, do you cover? It's it's all based in central Iowa. Our waterways are weird because we have such a heavy agricultural influence, even beyond most other states. Uh, our our waterways just go up and down so much. Like every rain, they're shooting up and they're immediately dropping. So, like there's I don't have a home ramp. I don't have a home body of water. I can't because, you know, at one time this river is unfishable, but you can fish this river or you can't hit the rivers because they're really, really low or really, really high. And then you got to go to a reservoir or a lake or something like that. But basically any waterway in central Iowa is where I'm guiding out of. And as far as species go, the main targets, everybody wants a flathead and, uh, so most of my trips are focused on flatheads, but then we, we fish for channel cats along with those. And then I've gotten more and more people interested in fishing for hybrid striped bass, which, you know, like I love flatheads. I'd say flatheads are my favorite, but there's days catching hybrid stripers where I'm like, these might be the coolest fish in the Midwest. And um, I just put a video out, uh, what's today? So yesterday catching some some hybrids on live bait and the way they make a drag screen is is pretty impressive then they're pound for pound just ridiculous fighters they're they're half a saltwater fish you know they're half striped bass half white bass they're basically a frankenfish and they get all the mean characteristics of both their parents and then they get big you know like our state record's 20 pounds and a 10 pound hybrid striper fights as hard or harder than a 20 pound flathead well, maybe not that hard. They, flatheads have the endurance, which is impressive too. But uh, wipers have speed. They they smoke top waters. They'll hit cut bait. They'll hit live bait. I mean, they're miniature striped bass in a lot of ways, and I just freaking love them. And then uh, I'll book some walleye trips. We don't have a wonderful walleye fishery. If somebody's like, hey, take me walleye fishing, I'm going to say, well, on your way to drive into Iowa, just skip Iowa and go to Minnesota or Wisconsin or South Dakota, because you're going to have a great time walleye fishing up there. If you want to fish with me, like it's tough and there, you'll have some good days and some bad days like anywhere else, but a bad day in Iowa is pretty bad. Like <laughs> there's, there's days where you just don't catch them. And oh, yeah. we, we don't have a ton of them. I, um, so you were, you were talking about, uh, hybrid striped bass wipers or, you know, they are, they are a really impressive fish because they're almost they like a striper has a more slender body, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, they're a cross between a striped bass and a white bass. Yeah. And so you have the best of like uh, uh, striped bass and a white bass. A white bass is more like compact, kind of like a body, more like a bluegill or a, a sunfish. Yeah. And, and anybody knows like a bluegill sunfish, you know. They fight pound for pound. They are incredible fighters. Just that body style makes it so they they just use it to just fight like 
you know they're like kind of like a pan like they and they can just well, use it to so you take that and then you add the speed and the thing with the hybrids is when they're younger they're actually more cylindrical like longer thinner cylindrical fish and then as they get bigger they hit that seven eight pound mark they start to get the the breadth and, and height of like a white bass and you get them over in that 10 to 15 pound range and i call them hubcaps at that right point on. in time because they're big and you know tall and and not only do they use that that width or i guess that height to in the current to dart back and forth they're really freaking fast like they bust off a run and they're just gone they're like rockets and I don't know. I get all jacked up thinking about them. That's actually what I'm going to do after this. I'm going to go chase hybrids this, this evening. So are you are you fishing um, for them in the same uh, areas or uh, that you that you? Well, I mean, obviously they have different habitat than a than a flathead catfish. But are you fishing it uh, for for uh, wipers in like um, you know the same bodies of water that you're fishing for flatheads and stuff? Yeah, um, the DNR does a pretty good job of stocking them here. Obviously, I'd like to see more, but, you know, when you break down the fisheries biology, you can't have it all. So you, you take what you get, and it is what it is. But it's, they're, they're in pretty much every river in central Iowa, and then um, every reservoir in most lakes. So they're pretty readily available Uh different bodies of water have different attributes like some have more some have bigger some have a nice balance of both and then we have different river sections segmented by dams that you know this section of river is really good and this section of river isn't quite as good or vice versa um, so yeah they're, they're they're around in most places just some are better than others so what um you know you're you're running a successful guiding operation now and and it might because it's newer and it's it's you know it's it sounds like with any any new operation newer operation there's a lot of uh, a lot of stress involved but i i'm you know i i've i've worked with a lot of guides and it sounds like what you're doing is exactly what you need to be doing i mean it's just it's the ups I mean, and it's up, up for debate you know and what is success it just depends on your perception of success uh, our, our bodies of water are tough. I do my best to put people on fish every trip. And for the most part, we're always catching something. It's not always the target species, you know, on some days it's fishing, you know, some days are better than others. But my, my goal every trip is to make sure it's a good freaking time. You know, everybody's having a good freaking time. Yeah. So I, 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 I what would be, you know, as you've pursued this, um, you know, part of your career, uh, what would be some advice that you could give to someone who wanted to start a, um, a guide business? Well, you talked about the, the glamour, glamorization of tournament angling. I feel like guiding is kind of like that. People romanticize the style, lifestyle, and you forgo a lot of things that if you have just a regular job, you would get to enjoy like friends. You you don't get to see friends anymore or family members. You have to like put time to the side in order to make sure you go see, like I, I put this weekend to the side and I did this months ago. This, this weekend is to go see my grandparents who I haven't seen in months, you know, and, and just little things like that. Sleep. If you like to sleep, maybe this isn't the lifestyle for you. (laughs) 
especially for I catfish. Know. I mean, so much of it is like it's at night. Yeah, it can be. Uh, I guess my big thing is I'm just trying to get better. You know, like I, I catch fish, but can I be more consistent during the day? Because that would like put myself in more of a routine. Whereas like right now, I've, there's lots of times I'll guide, run a night trip six to midnight and then have a wiper trip 6 a.m. or 5.30 a.m. the next day. So wow. I'll just sleep in my pool for four hours and wake up and run a wiper trip, then stay out on the water and record a video, come home and edit it. And then. Uh, That's impressive, dude. Know. Well, is it impressive or dumb? You know, it's well, like, I mean, you, you look at anybody like starting a, a business like. That's what it is. It's, I mean, it's tremendous sacrifice to get a business up and running, whether it's a guiding business. I mean, you're doing two. You're doing guiding and you're doing, you know, you're doing social media. You're doing YouTube. You have a, dude, let me tell you something. Uh, I have been knocking my head against the wall with YouTube and it's all my fault. Don't get me wrong. But, mm -hmm. but I know that, that you've, you know, it's, it's been a lot of work, but you should be very, very proud to break that 100,000 mark, 100,000 sub subscriber mark on YouTube. Like that's a hell of an accomplishment. The fact that you're over that, you know, you're over a hundred thousand subscribers. Are you not? Uh, yeah. 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 Well, I there. mean, that's that is a hell of an accomplishment. So I guess my point is that, um, I, I'm you're. It's like any business. If you want it, if you want it to be successful, and like I said, you're running two businesses. You're running a guide business, and you're running your YouTube social media business. Um, this is what it is. I mean, it it. it hopefully you know will get easier but just getting that thing up and running um it's i mean there isn't no there's no getting around it it is it's taxing it's incredibly taxing yeah. don't let anybody tell you any different you're gonna have to bust your balls man i'm sorry to you know yeah. just cut it like that's just what it is and the fact well, taxing is is the way to, to put it too because like some people would say it's a lot of work and I don't wouldn't say it's necessarily work because it's a freaking blast and I love it, but it it, it is taxing. And then you just uh, have to sacrifice some stuff uh, for how long? I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to be like this. I I I I need to figure out a way to come up with a better balance if if I want longevity out of all of this. But I don't know. It's a constant refinement, constant uh, trying to just become more efficient with stuff. And at the end of the day, if the better I am at fishing, the more efficient i'm going to be at everything so i just try to become a better fisherman but yeah taxing and sacrifice would be the two things that i would say it's like so if you want to dive into fishing like this you better freaking love it otherwise it's gonna feel like work that's if you right. want to call it work i've never worked harder in my life and that's coming from a guy who was a college wrestler you know where my life was nothing but work and and being pushed to work even harder all the time and and this this is definitely more of a grind, more of taxing than that time frame was. Wow. So um, with your with your guide business now, so are you are you especially in the summertime, summertime, especially up north, Iowa, Minnesota, this is the time when things are I mean are really cooking. What what is your are you are you busy five days a week? I mean, is it just constant, you know, or I mean, and that's if I'm awake, if, if I'm, awake I'm doing something. Like whether I'm editing, moving footage, uh, fixing stuff on the boat that was yesterday, cleaning, um, or just being on the water, 
and driving, like I'm driving all the freaking time. So like, that's when I do all my phone calls and things like that is when I'm on the road, just because it's more efficient. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm always doing something. And so as far as if, if you would, you know, give a tip as far as someone who wants to guide, it's like, you're, I mean, I, this is what I take of it. You, you no illusions. You're going to have to work at it. Is there anything, can you, can you, um, can you even distill it any more than that? I mean, that's, and that's my, my version of it. Like it's different for everybody. You can create whatever type of business and run it however you want, you know, like that's one beautiful thing about it is you have this freedom to do it however you want. So do you, if you want to live a life where you're running around a hundred miles an hour, you can do that. If you want to slow it down and not, not function in that way, then, then you have the ability to do that. And a lot of it's just like where I'm located, you know, Iowa with the water conditions, sometimes you got to travel a long way. Sometimes you don't. And I'm sure a lot of other places are like that, but all the time on the road just leads to less efficiency. And it also leads to more wear and tear on your machines. So that takes away more time too in money. And, uh, uh, so I don't know. It just depends on how you put it together, your system. Yeah. I, I think as at the ripe old age of 46 years old, I've, I've, I've been, uh, I've, I've felt the need to sometimes pass along a little bit of advice to younger, uh, people in the sport. And, and I've, I've just told people, I'm like, listen, you live the life that's right for you as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, right? And and that means yeah. to don't get into this hamster wheel scenario where you think you've got to be living a certain way. You've got to be making a certain amount of money to be happy. You've got to have things to make you feel like that uh, is success. That is the biggest, I'm going to tell you right now, that is the biggest bunch of bullshit. Happiness has nothing to do with the amount of money you make or the amount of things that you have. Happiness resides in your head, and you're going to be a hell of a lot happier if you find out what your passion is. Uh, you know, not everybody has a passion. It's so easy to say that, but the reality is it's also human nature to compare yourselves to others. And if you compare yourself to somebody else, and you're like, well, they have this, I want that, so I'm not going to be happy until I get it, and then let's say you bust your butt and you get to that point and then all of a sudden there's a new person to compare yourself to and that just robs all of your happiness. I, mean, I know, but it's, it's a thing. trap. It's a trap. Well, it, it is, but it's it's something that you have to constantly be aware of and remind yourself of. And, but it's just human nature. It's totally human nature and and you, you got to, I don't know if it requires meditation. You got to try to break yourself from it because take it from me. I've been with the most successful people in the business. And let me tell you how I make it look and how reality is are completely different things. And so, you know, I try to tell people just, you know, you can live a very modest life and be very happy. And I would say if that, like there's people that are busting their ass and, and you know, they think they have to um, be striving for something. And don't get me wrong. Like I, I am, you have to, you have to 
bust your ass to get, you know, to, to, to achieve goals. I, I mean, that is important. You have to work hard. But don't be thinking that success is, uh, you know, having the biggest truck, the biggest boat, this blah, 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 blah. That's not it. Like, you can I, – I just think that uh, – I don't want to say contentment. That's not, you know, because I guess there's kind of a – being content is kind of like, oh, you're 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 settling. I'm not saying settling, but you got to find there's there's a there's a balance of 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 working so hard to think, uh, you know, that you're going for success if it's something material. Like to me, success is doing something that makes you happy, and to get to that point of doing something that makes you happy, where and listen, to get to that point, you. A lot of times you are going to have to bust your ass, and and I'm all for it. I, I feel like I've done that, you know, to a certain extent. I mean, I'm still listen. Life is life is short, but it's also like a marathon, you know. Like, well, there's there's also perceptions a big part of it too. Like, what is busting your ass? Like, your version of busting your ass and my version of busting their ass or your ass are going to be different, you know. Like, who's however they are different just know that they are different and then somebody else's version of hard work is going to be different great you know or somebody else's conversion of um like time investment is going to be different it's just the perception is everything perception of your life situation like you can just change your mind and be happier yeah like yeah it, 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 it didn't work that way i mean i don't i don't want to you know i i don't want to uh, bring this kind of conversation down a little bit, but I just get, you know, I, I, I'm speaking more to like younger people, like in, like if you're a teenager and you, I, I suffered, um, not me, my family suffered a tragedy two years ago. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, and, it and it involved uh, an individual in a uh, teenage teenager and I just I wish that I had the opportunity to speak with him uh, before this happened and just tell him that, you know, you've got society putting all these things on you, telling you, you got to be this, you got to be that. And you got to do, you know, you got and, you know, you don't need to do what you probably think that you need to do right now. You know what I mean? You can you can live a lot. You can be as I, I, it's it's ultimately your happiness resides in your head and getting to that point is really more of a mindset than anything else. You know, I think your mindset has a ton to do with it. And that doesn't mean you don't have to work hard. And again, that's, that's what is working hard mean. Right. But I just, my, my point is that we all have, uh, I, I think without getting too deep here, I think we a lot oftentimes take, uh, we take for granted just how amazing it is to be here. And so, um, and it can be, for some people, they live a long life. For others, they live a very short life, unfortunately. And, you know, just don't let people tell you or don't let society tell you what kind of life uh, it, they think you should be living. Your life is precious. Live the life that's right for you, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Um, I, you know, but we—that's my message for today. Today's podcast. There you go. But 
moving on, I know you've got to go catch some white bass and, and striper frankenfish, but yes. I did want to, I, I wanted to uh, tell you, listen, dude, you've got over 100,000 YouTube subscribers. That's a hell of an accomplishment, and you're going to keep going up. I know you are. And you have your own fishing show now. You have right. accomplished that goal. Do you know, dude, I would kill, like, to, I mean, that is, to have, like, I had that same dream growing up, you know, like, to, I don't know if it was, if I had a dream of wanting my own fishing show, I certainly, I certainly would thought that that was a cool idea. I wanted to be a pro bass fisherman, I guess, but, but, mm. um, to have your own fishing show, which you have, and a successful one at that, you're making money off it. Um, and you'll continue to grow. I mean, you're, you know, uh, that's gotta, that's gotta be incredibly, um, I, w I mean, I, I think I, I'm proud of you and I don't, this is our first real big conversation that we've had. And I think that's a hell of an accomplishment, man. Like it really, really is. Well, I appreciate it. Honestly, it's hard to know what to say when people say nice things to me. I, I generally prefer somebody to make fun of me and me give them shit back that's that's where i excel the most so i'm just gonna say thanks for the compliments so just tell me about you know because that's that's a i don't think people fully understand it when you're an idiot like myself that's been bumbling around this whole time since you know pete and i started this social media adventure uh youtube venture whatever the hell we've been doing podcasting yada 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 it's been uh we've we've had we've this thing has been fits and starts and and uh you know not not being consistent and you, you've one thing i'll tell you if you want to start a social media have a social media presence and be successful at it you have to be consistent i think would be the one of the easiest tips to give as far as it's easy to give that tip it's harder to actually do that and be consistent but what tell me about just your journey in social media we've we've learned about um your guiding like now just go through just how you started in social media and like more specifically uh your youtube journey well i, I guess you talked about being consistent and you can say anything you want about me, but I guess consistency is probably the, the number one thing that I've done. Like I try to make my videos better, but every Monday, 4 p.m. Central Time, there's going to be a video. Every Thursday, 4 p.m. Central Time, there's going to be a video, and it's been like that for, for years. Uh, last, Not last summer, but summer before, I was even posting three videos a week, and I guess prior to that, I was only posting one video a week, but... So I went from one to three to two, but I've all, there there has not been a single week in the last like three or four years there hasn't been at least one video that I've posted, and uh, so yeah, I guess I've just been consistent about it. But I don't know, man. I just try to make it fun, you know. I try to keep it simple, try to make it fun, and it's it's became something. It quickly became something I wanted to do. I don't feel like there's any obligation, like. I try, I, I'm consistent, but I set it up in a way where it's not overly stressful to be consistent, except this summer, oddly, I've been kind of falling behind the eight ball. And there's been a lot of days where I've been posting a video that I uploaded that day. And that's, I've never been like that for me. So that's one of the reasons I've been stretched so thin. Usually I have two to 10 videos edited prior to 
when I post a video, so it's not a big deal to, to be consistent about it. But, um, yeah, I just try to make it fun, like, and simple. That's one nice thing about YouTube. It's, it's your world. You can create however you want. And, and, uh, at least initially I felt like if the filming prevents me from catching fish, then I'm not going to want to do it. So I need to structure it in a way where it's simple, efficient to the point, And it's not going to prevent me from catching the fish that I really want. Um, I'll give you an example like this, all my filming gear, it's, it's in this little box right here. That's everything. This and my phone, that's it. So I don't have to carry around a ton of crap. A lot of uh, my mounts are built on my boat, built on my kayak, or I have a tripod that is super small and light and fits in my tackle backpack. So no matter what I'm doing, where I'm doing it, I can film and it's not a big deal. I hop on somebody else's boat. I can still do my thing. I'm not taking up a shit ton of room. I'm not getting in their way because I don't want to ruin their trip because it's, it's their trip just as much as it is mine, if not more so. So I just try to keep things easy, you know, and, and not intrusive. Yeah, that's my, so I, I would say for me, my, my biggest hindrance uh, to social media, to YouTube is that I'm coming from that mentality Oh, you gotta have you gotta have the lighting. You gotta have all kinds of cameras. You know, it's it's coming from this um, you know traditional uh, video production background, and you don't need any of that for to be successful on YouTube and to really grow an audience. Um, and it's I think if, if you have fun and you make the video fun, like you you take the footage you have, or at least this is how I approach it. You take the footage you have, and you just do the best you can with it. And when your video is quotation marks done, it's just you've done the best you can in the time amount of time you have. And that's that's what I have. And I'm not going to like dwell on it. Some videos I'm happier about than others. But um, at the end of the day, I just do the best I can and, and make it the best you can. I'm, do you I, do you, I that. do you find that with um, social media it's called social social media, um, mm-hmm. but with also youtube that your audience um it, it's 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 about connection making um and and also you you could go out have you found that even if you're not successful on on the water that day maybe you haven't caught anything that it doesn't even necessarily matter if you've developed a kind of a loyal fan base are they more are you finding that it's more that people have uh have gained a connection with you and just want to kind of go along with your journey. I, I, I I'm, I kind of feel like that's a huge part of all this. Well, that's hundred percent part of it. Cause I mean, people subscribe cause they connect you in some way. And I try to be, I try to reply to as many comments as I can for a long time. I replied to almost every single one of them. And this year, because I've been scrambling a little bit more, I've been slacking on that. They're not slacking, just unable. Like, I used to fish by myself a lot and now everybody wants to fish with me, which it's okay. I enjoy fishing with other people quite a bit, but uh, one nice thing about fishing by myself, other than the fact I enjoy fishing by myself is when you're sitting there waiting for a flathead to bite for hours and hours, I would respond to all those comments and and enjoy doing it. Like it's when somebody says they enjoy your video, that's kind of neat. And I try not to get too high off that because then you have, people who try to tear you down and if you don't get too high then you won't get too low and uh i don't know i guess when it comes to the the negative ones 
kind of keep try to keep it in perspective where like none of those people are going to say any of that stuff to my face. Right. So who, who even really cares? Like it, it goes back to teaching junior high a little bit. Like Sally said this comment on Snapchat about me and I'm like, well, she's who really cares. Like it's not true. It's inaccurate. Or even if there's a little bit of truth, they don't have the guts to say it to your face. So are you really going to like give that person or I guess what's the word I'm looking for? You're really going to take, you're going to give that person that power. It's not where I was wanting to go with it, but that's an aspect too. It's like, you're going to give that person power to negatively impact your day when they're not even a person with enough integrity to say something like that to your face. No, I'm not. And I don't recommend anybody else does either. And, and I think that, that too, uh, you know, I, I can be, uh, I can, I can, I can get wound up. I can be a bit of a hothead at times. Uh, and so with, uh, with social media, you just, those jack nuts that, that want to post negative comments, you're absolutely right. They, they would not say that stuff in front of you. They, they would not say it to your face. There's this, there's this level of social media. It's like, it's, it's the same thing that happens when you're driving in your car I mean, we all do it less. It's someone cuts you off or something or and you scream at them. And but I mean, that's that's in, in essence what's kind of happening with social media. Now, if you were out of your car um, and, and that's not to say if someone was a, it, 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 you're in a bubble with social media, just like you're in your car, like you're you're it's easier to to fire off at people than it would be if you're face-to-face with someone. And, and I, myself, really need to get... And, and I've gotten better with it. I, I don't hardly engage uh, with people that are negative anymore on social media. I, I let it fly. For a while, I thought it was kind of fun to, to, to go back and forth. And it, I don't know. Like, since the pandemic, dude, I'm like, man... And I'm just like, I, people need to be better to one another. And, and so I don't... Well, you got to keep in mind too, like just because a comment might also initially seem negative doesn't mean that person isn't being sarcastic themselves. Cause there's times where I've seen a comment and I'm like, Oh, well, that's kind of a jerk thing to say. But then, then, uh, then you respond some smart ass comment back and it becomes a little bit of fun back and forth. And then you actually have kind of created an online friend, you know, yeah, like that's I, I, right. like, I like trash talk and maybe even they meant it in a negative way to start with. And then you say some smart ass comment and they get a kick out of it. And all of a sudden you have a follower. And there's a couple guys that um, routinely put smart ass comments on my videos. And originally they, they weren't the kindest comments. And now, now it just becomes a trash talking thing that I kind of get a kick out of. So I, I kind of, I got a sense of kind of who you were. Um, I mean, this is probably, I don't know. And, I, and now I kind of, I'm, I'm, you know, talking with you now, I, I get a, I, I get more of a sense uh, of your personality. Um, but you made a comment. Uh, it was, uh, it, it, I had made this video and this is just classic Greg Underdahl here. Okay. And I hate to use my, uh, you know, myself, is that using myself in like the, th- referring to myself in the third person, I guess. Third person. What, a, what an yeah. asshole. Um, yeah. But, but. I had done a video in my garage about my kayak setup. And and again, I'm a jackass. I come from this traditional video production you're, background you're where everything's... What's that? 
<laughs> you started off and you're like, welcome to my dirty ass garage. Yeah, yeah. Part stuff. Yeah. And, and I remember uh, you made a comment on the video and it's completely right. I mean... I, I it, it's it's I had I had three cameras. I still to this day. I I mean I've done some more just basic you know one camera stuff, but I don't. I've got this drilled in my head. Just, I, I, I'm an idiot. So anyway, I make it's things way more difficult hard. than they need to be. So you, yeah. I, I I went through my whole kayak fishing setup, my cameras and blah 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 blah. And you made a comment with like something along the lines of. Uh, uh, little, little out of most people's reach or something as far as like just the budget, and 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 um, I remember kind of feeling like I don't know whether he's being sarcastic or I can't remember exactly or uh, you know, but it was it was kind of you're ribbing me a little bit, and and oh, yeah. and 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 um, but the, here's the important point is that it's okay, just because it seems like people have gotten. Maybe not. Maybe this is all just perception, not reality. But people have gotten more sensitive nowadays about things. And it's just like you don't know that person's personality. I can be a super jackass asshole at times. And I'm sure like some people, their first um, impression of me might be like, this guy, you know. At least you own it. Yeah, at least you own it. But at the same time, people aren't, it's not, you can't just easily just put a label on people. People are complex, you know. And so I think we all just need to just chill and, and, and be more tolerant. And, and that's why, like, I, I, I like people that are a bit feisty. And I, and I, I, I get that with you. Um, and I like it. And so I, and I'm, and I'm glad that we were able to have this conversation because, um, it's, it's given me an opportunity to get to know you better, but also, um, I just think there's a better, there's a lesson there. Like I, everybody needs to just have more fun on social media, chill out. But to me, when, when the negativity gets to a certain, um, like it's, it's easy for some of these people though. I shouldn't put it that way. It's easy for some people on social media to fire some pretty substantial arrows. And, and whereas my old self would be like, okay, I'm going to, okay, you're going to fire an arrow at me. Then I'm going a cannon back at you, dude. And so <laughs> now I'm like, I'm like, life is too short. Like, just, just let it go. I don't even like, I'm not even going to, at least I want to say I'm not going to do that anymore. If someone really, I, I don't know. But to me, it's just like this person, uh, who knows? They might've had a bad day. I'm just going to, I'm just going to. I think I've gotten better at just and those more like pointed Barbie barbed. Let's put it that not Barbie. Those more Barbie pointed barbed. barbed like comments. I'm just like, eh. I, I'm not as worried about it anymore. But I digress. You need to go uh, 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 hybrid stripe bass fishing. But I do want to get before we go. Uh, I did want to. So your social media journey. You know, you, you've got, first of all, uh, before we end this, I want you to kind of promote all your social media and your guiding business. But tell me, and God, I got a cat that's going crazy. I got this cat, man, that is so vocal. I mean, it's unbelievable. He's right there. He wants to be out all this time. This is a feral cat that we're imprisoning in this house. We how, never let this cat. How unbelievable is it really, though? What's that? How unbelievable is it really, though? 
I mean, I can think of a lot of things that are unbelievable. No, there's nothing unbelievable about it. This is just a stupid saying. Um, phrasing is makes is no sense whatsoever. But so your journey, social media, and in YouTube, someone starting out, what advice would you give them? So you you gave me advice on uh, the guiding aspect. What would you say is a successful uh, social media? Um, User, I don't, how would you say that? Uh, as, a, as a successful YouTuber, social media guy, how, what, would, what would be advice to someone uh, that is just either getting into it or has been struggling with it? I mean, success is a matter of perception, like everything else we were talking about. Like, I don't know how successful I would call myself. You know, like I have so many subscribers, but do subscribers even matter if there's not that many people actually watching? So I'd preface it with that. Success is now. Wait a minute. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop you right there. I I saw one of your your more recent videos, and it's got thousands. Like you, it was just put up. It's got like thousands of views. Yeah. Like as an old school like um, you know, video guy, like just the the point that the fact that you could put something up and like thousands upon thousands of people are watching it. That is, that is amazing. No, I, I think it's really cool, and I appreciate everybody who watches it. My biggest thing is consistency on that. Like, am I consistently putting out videos that people enjoy enough where I'm having so many people engage with the video? It's not like I'm trying to, like, I just want all these views. I, I want to put out a video that people want to watch, and I want to put out a video that lots of people want to watch. And that's my way of, like, st- determining success like it's the same in fishing if i go out flathead fishing and i catch channel cats and no flatheads is that a success in my mind not really you know like success is consistently catching the target species um and but anyway i guess i don't know how relevant that is no that's <laughs> but it no, just I, I hear you just something that was on my mind as far as that goes but uh as far as what leads to success i guess are you happy doing what you're doing like are you making videos because you enjoy making videos and making the videos makes you happy or are you making the videos because you have this dream of doing this for a living because is it really a dream if you're not having fun like you're 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 working towards this goal but you're not enjoying the process along the way so is that really a good goal so i would say make sure whatever you're doing you're you're having a good time because the ultimate goal is to you know, do something you're passionate about. So think about why you're doing it and try to twist it in a way that you're going to enjoy the process along the way. Cause then at the end of the day, if you're having fun doing it now, like whether you're good at it, bad at it, you have success or don't have success or whatever, you know, you're, you're, you're having a good time. So in my mind, you're winning the whole time, no matter what the end results are. Great, great point. Uh, before I almost forgot, uh, you've got a podcast, so tell me, tell me that uh, how that started and, and your journey with that. Because I, you know, I, I love podcasting. I love. I actually in college had a radio show. I, I, I've been. I was probably more well. I guess equally excited about radio and television growing up, and uh, and in, so and that's why, like in college, I had a my my degree was in broadcasting because it was just a bigger you know umbrella covered television, also radio. Um, so yeah, I had a radio show in college and now with podcasting, it's, it's exciting because it's like, it's the internet, it's internet radio basically. 
Um, mm-hmm. So how did you get into podcasting and, and tell me how that's going for you? Um, I, I just like hanging out and talking about fishing. So, and I like podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time. I'm driving all the time. So if I'm not talking on the phone, I'm probably listening to a podcast. And, uh, my wife kind of pushed me on a little bit. She's like, I think you'd really have fun doing this and, uh, dove into it and ended up just being a good time. You know, like I have fun. I just said, you, you got to make it fun. And whenever we have podcasts, they're an absolute blast. We don't have any real hard agendas. We'll have some talking points and maybe some questions we'll ask. And we just kind of shoot the shit about whatever pops up. It's, it's fishing based, but we talk about hunting. We talk about trapping. We talk about a whole bunch of all kinds of stuff. And we dive deep in some, we make really immature jokes about others and we just have a whole lot of fun. It's like sitting on the riverbank, hanging yeah. out with your buddies. We just happen to record it. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love it. So how mm-hmm. can people, um, how can people find you? Tell me, you know, promote your, your, your socials. And also your podcast. So yeah, tell me, tell, tell everybody how to find it. I, I tried to keep it as simple as possible. You type river certified into Google and stuff starts popping up. So you can type in a river certified podcast and then my podcast pops up. You type in river certified on YouTube. My YouTube channel pops up basically whatever platform you want to find my stuff. You just type in river certified. And it's going to pop up. All right. Well, there it is. And I just got to tell you, dude, I, I appreciate you doing this. Um, I've, I've followed you for a long time now. And um, I say this to everybody, and I could be a bit of a recluse. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I'm kind of a hybrid between an introvert and an extrovert. I, I swing, you know, kind of back and forth. Um, but I... I you know, it's it's fun to fish alone, but there's people that um, I would really, really uh, love to fish with, and and you're one of them. So if I'm ever down in your neck of the woods, or if you're ever up in my neck of the woods, we've got this amazing. There's a lot of stuff I, I feel very fortunate about. Oh, like, dude, you're in the land of ten thousand lakes. You got all kinds of stuff to fish for. I'll I'll be up there this fall at some point in time, and I'll let you know. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, we can we can do all kinds of fun stuff, uh, you know, but, it's, but particularly in the fall, the sturgeon, Lake Sturgeon on the St. Croix River is really, really something special. So, love for you to uh, come up for that. And um, I got a boat out in my driveway that's like, hey, when are you going to take me out? Number one, I feel I'm, I'm going to get my act together next week. Uh, but yeah, would love to have you uh, in the in the boat or whatever you feel more comfortable in your boat, whatever the case. But sturgeon are a calling uh, in the fall, so would love to fish with you. But really appreciate you you doing this podcast and um, yeah, catch the hell out of those wipers, buddy. I'm gonna try, man. I really appreciate you inviting me on. They're they're all podcasts are good times. So thanks for asking me to be part of a good time.